Girl Mode. This is episode 57. I'm one of your hosts, Willow Rowe. And I'm your other host, Robin B. And today we uh, are doing something so, so wild for us. We're going to talk about why we hate Jeff Keighley. We're, <laughs> we're not going to talk about why we hate Jeff Keighley. We're going to talk about why we hate Jeff Keighley's stupid game awards. Number one, Jeff Keighley's the host. by extension, Jeff Keighley. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess yeah, we're the just game getting right happened. into it. Uh, what do we have to preamble? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's true. It's been a fucking busy week. I have I have nothing to preamble. Uh, all of my my brain power has been focused toward the game awards this week. Regrettably, so and for yes, deeply unfortunately, so yeah. So the game awards was this week. It was extraordinarily bad i feel like this is the this year more than any other year i've seen people going like more openly talking about how much it sucks i feel like in previous years it has also been a shit show but people have largely been still just like oh you know it's what it is it's fun there was a muppet for a minute whatever (laughs) but this year i feel like the tone has really shifted which i think is largely uh has been based around the um the fact that it's not an award show yeah which it's never been but it was more obviously this year i think in particular because of the very strictly enforced rule that award recipients could only have 30 seconds to talk before a giant obnoxious teleprompter told them to please wrap it up please wrap it and up and they started playing loud music over them in a really disrespectful way <laughs> It was so funny because we were obviously we were covering the show. Mm-hmm. So we were all in the work slack. And early on when they did Best Performer, which was one of like the first awards they did, they had Christopher Judge come up and present. And they did a really they did a bit, which at the time I, I thought was actually just a little fun and kind of funny, where he started to like talk about like presenting best performer and then they started playing him off because yes. the joke was like he did like a fucking seven minute long speech. That was funny. And then the longer the night went on, the worse that joke became in retrospect because they actually just played off like every single winner, uh-huh. including literally Neil Newborn, who won best performer right after christopher judge was talking also his name is neil newborn you keep saying oh my God, neil newborn it? i'm gonna be honest i legitimately did not know that oh i <laughs> i thought it was just like a you were just it was just like a slip no yeah it's it's newborn um oh okay <laughs> yeah his name is neil newborn yeah they played him off they even they didn't even give any spare time for the game of the year winner I do want to say the the fucking the Christopher Judge thing. The Game Awards has one joke and it's really getting old. And the joke is Christopher Judge talked a lot that one time. Yeah. Like when they came up and he did, they like played him off and that that was the joke. It was fine. And then within the next two minutes, there were like four more jokes about that. And it was just like, guys, we can't keep doing this. Like you've got to some you have to do something else funny if you want to Mm -hmm. keep making jokes. There's a limit. But yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, that was the first, I think, big thing of, of the night was Neil Newbon getting the the award and giving like a very emotional speech. He, I, you know, he's talked before about how like there's a lot in Asterian's story about being a survivor of sexual abuse. And he has talked a lot about how that 
that's an expression of his own life and uh, about how like people in general, especially about queer people have come up and been like, oh, like these characters in Asteria and are like very important to me and I see parts of myself in them. And he's like talking about this on stage and they start playing the music to play him off. And I think from that moment on, it was clear that this was going to be a disaster. One really irritating thing about that actually is the next day, uh, Jeff Keighley tweeted something about like, oh, you know, our team next time we're going to work on it and like make sure the music doesn't start playing so early and da 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 da. And then it was pointed out, I believe, by Stephen Totillo, who was tweeting a lot of stuff about this particular issue because he was seated directly behind the teleprompter like operator. But he was like, yeah, that was a, they was operated manually. They had to push a button to start the music to play them off. It wasn't like on a timer. So you're saying like, oh, we'll work on the timing next year. Well, you could have done that last night. You could have mm-hmm. decided when to give people more time. And you decided not to let, you know, this guy speak about his his character resonating with with fucking abuse survivors. You chose not to let uh, the, the director of the game dedicate Baldur's Gate 3 to... Uh, develop members of the development team who have died over the past year. You you chose to do that. Uh, and just like tweeting the next day to say like, oh, we'll fix it next time. is just like just a deeply shitty response. Yeah, it was it was absurd because um, like there's so many aspects of this that were ridiculous to try to keep speeches to 30 uh, 30 seconds. And it was like, this is also an industry that is incredibly international. And it was like, there are translators and it doesn't really it didn't really help account for translating like yeah. um ag aonuma was up there for tears of the kingdom barely got to fucking do a speech same with like sam lake sam lake was up there uh a couple times but like he was very quickly got <laughs> played off mm-hmm. and you wrote like you wrote a great piece about this and a lot of people have written pieces about this but it's the idea that Jeff Keighley has always said like, oh, you know, we're here to celebrate developers. Mm -hmm. And it's just such bullshit when you're claiming to support developers and then you cut them off and don't let them actually talk. One of the things that makes that so, so, so frustrating is like, yes, like Jeff Keighley pretending that that's what the show is about is obviously very frustrating. Um, I think I, I use that point a lot to illustrate the hypocrisy of it. Like it's, it's, this show is a, an advertising vehicle. And I think not being upfront about that and pretending that it's about celebrating devs is a really, I don't know, I think it's a really kind of underhanded thing to do, particularly because this is an industry that like never credits developers. Like sometimes you make a game and your name is literally not in the credits. And other times it's just like when developers get attention from people who play the games, it's almost always negative. Uh, and so it's just like, from all sides, their workplaces don't respect them and the fans of the games they make don't respect them. Uh, this is one opportunity where developers of these games could actually be given recognition and could be honored for the things that they do that are often overlooked or uh, give them mistreatment. And choices are active choices are being made not to make time for them. And that sucks. <laughs> it's just really unfortunate. Yeah. And like there were other ways that this came out too, which was that there were way more awards were done during the pre-show and a lot of awards were done. Just no speeches were allowed to be given. And it was like five awards would be announced just Mm -hmm. right after one another. I think for me, one of the most, there were a couple really confusing ones, which is uh, 
Grant Stoner pointed out that uh, Best yeah. Accessibility was done during the pre-show, which is an award that has always been in the main show. The one that was so confusing to me was Best Debut Indie was presented and they got a speech. And then Best Indie uh, just happened in one of these like... Mm-hmm random collections of awards and it just went by and i didn't even realize i had to be like wait did they do best indie who won and it was so confusing yeah it's like there's not even a logic to like none of these awards should honestly like get this treatment but it was just so confusing because it seemed like there was no logic behind what was given time and what wasn't yeah i mean like as i i pointed out in the thing i wrote like armored core won best action game and didn't even like the the studio that won game of the year last year wasn't even like noteworthy enough to get its own like award recognition you know um i think a lot of the like genre categories actually i think were shoved into those fighting game definitely was uh yeah another thing that was just like the idea of disrespect to the developers even when it goes beyond the awards, but to announcements was I saw somebody point out on Twitter. I'll try to find this if I can show if I can like link it. Somebody was talking about the sound design of the show. I don't know if you saw hmm. this. It was like how all the trailers were being presented in like mono audio and how it was like an audio designer talking about how it was like it feels also like they're not presenting the things they are announcing in the best light for the developers. Yeah, no, I didn't see that. I'll try to find it and link it if I can. But it was just another aspect of it where it was like, it feels like none of the details are cared for when it comes to representing the like developers or the things they're announcing even. And yeah, I mean, like even in like the cases where they do get to go on stage, it's mostly just it's like rattling off a list of of names. Like I think there's some um like, you know, you watch the Oscars, they play clips from the movies that they're talking about. I think there's some it's somewhat reasonable to say like you can't really do that for games in a in a meaningful way you can just kind of like show clips from them but that doesn't really you know have the same effect as like watching a performance of the person who's being nominated like that's something they could do for best performance it's certainly something they could do for best best music um like they they literally like, have the game awards orchestra this has always performs, frustrated me yeah like, and the, they perform the game of the for year, game of the year yeah, the game of the year always gets like a medley of music from all of those games. And it's always like one of the highlights of the show because it's just this really cool, you know, celebration of of something that's in these games. Why would you not do that for best music? Like it's it's <laughs> what you're talking about. It's what you're honoring. Like put it in there. It's confusing. It's, it's yeah. um again to like be on my shtick, but there's a similar issue that I always think about, which is in the Tony Awards, mm-hmm. which is that uh, the Tony Awards knows how to show off musicals because it's very easy. You just have them perform a number, but they always struggle showing off plays mm-hmm. because it's like nobody wants to sit there and watch a scene of a play or anything. Yeah. So it's very hard to figure out how to like represent it. Or even at the Oscars, I think of like the other categories beyond like best picture, best performance, where they can show easy clips and how you represent the art to the like people watching the award show and i think the game awards has just never even tried to do that like that's never been something they care about which is like i mean obvious to us because it's an ad show but yeah i feel like that is you could say that about most of the things we have to complain about the game awards it's like (laughs) 
I wish they had even tried. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's what that's what's so frustrating to me. Like, I, I didn't really get this didn't make it into my, the piece that I wrote because it was just getting pretty long anyway. <laughs> and I just it, it seemed a little like maybe obvious enough to leave out. But I think what makes this so frustrating is that it is such a big fucking show. It's positioned it positioned itself as like the voice of the games industry. Whether that's true or not, I think is immaterial because the fact of the matter is that it is like incredibly well funded. It's incredibly expensive. It's this big elaborate production. There are other, you know, there's plenty of other award shows, plenty of other like showcases for games and stuff. And I think there's a very reasonable argument to be made that we should just focus our attention on the ones that do it better instead. But what makes it so frustrating that the Game Awards doesn't do that is that it has so many more resources than anyone else out there. Like it would be so easy for it to devote some of those resources to actually like giving a shit, like figuring out how to make these things better, figuring out how to give devs time to speak. The the barriers to them not doing those things are not material. They are, again, they are choices that are being made. I think uh, something I also wanted to mention about the speeches thing was um, we have no way to confirm this. So this is all just a hypothetical, just vibes I get. It also very much, it didn't hurt Jeff that the speeches could be only so long, which helped discourage people who did win from saying anything meaningful about some of the topics that people were hoping would come up at the awards. Yeah, I did see someone tweet like, it's very convenient for this 30 second time limit that from the river to the sea has a lot of syllables in it. (laughs) Like it's, um, I had this thought too. I obviously it's not, a thing that we know, but it does seem pretty mm-hmm. suspect that in a year where kind of the two biggest stories, like meta stories about the Game Awards and the two biggest demands from people going into the Game Awards were you need to mention the genocide in Palestine and you need to mention the devastating layoffs that have affected the industry this year. And I think there are a lot of people who could have been on stage that night who have very strong feelings about those things. And I think it's very convenient that this is the year that they chose to limit those those speeches. Yes, absolutely. I do like, uh, it was a developer of Goodbye Volcano High posted, they're like, oh, we didn't win today at the Game Awards, but like, congratulations to the people who did win. But I just want to post our award speech that we were going to say I if we had won. This. And it um that was for, it was really good. We'll I'll find it and you should go read it. But uh, it was like all these developers who were like, "Hey, we were going to say something if we mm-hmm. had been given time or one," which yeah was another massive disappointment that Jeff like he didn't acknowledge any of it. Which I think a lot of us were like, "Yeah, no surprise." I think this is the last kind of like a lot of us had maybe a last hope that maybe he would say something because it yes. felt so wild that he would say nothing when everybody had been like so vocal mm-hmm. and just on so many levels because like with the genocide in palestine the future class like has been so vocal about it and that's a thing of the game awards and jeff just completely ignored it yeah i i think the reason that some people had some hope that it would be addressed is like first of all you know there are in years past there was that extremely 
honestly cowardly uh, statement about harassment in the industry a couple of years ago that like didn't address what what the problem was or who the perpetrators were, but just to say like this is a space where we all deserve to feel safe and we all belong. There was acknowledgement of Ukraine at last year's Game Awards, and I think the biggest part of that, the biggest thing that made I think people say that that could come up is like you said the future class thing which just to explain for anyone who might not be aware the future class is a thing that i have a lot of problems with established by the game awards to like honor up-and-comers in the games industry people who are changing things for the better there's a lot of problems with like this type of thing in general the like 30 under 30 shit like that it's like we probably don't have time to even get into um but it is a it is an initiative of the game awards that is at least a gesture toward the industry's diversity and the potential for there to be, I think, a more responsible version of the games industry than we have now. And so this year's nom- this year's like people who are being inducted into the future class were announced this year. And then shortly thereafter, there was an open letter that was going around that was signed by I think 66 of the future class. It wasn't the whole thing, but a, a large number of members. That was, uh, you know, essentially condemning the situation in Palestine and calling on Jeff Keighley to read a statement in the future class's name saying, you know, the games industry needs to do more to divest from uh, apartheid regimes uh, to acknowledge, like to acknowledge the situation and then and like read a statement of support for for Palestine. And there was no acknowledgement from him, like publicly or otherwise someone shared a screenshot from the future class discord where he posted an audio clip that was literally two seconds of silence, which just is so on the nose that it feels like parody. But yeah, there was no, there was no statement about it whatsoever. Um, I found that particularly frustrating when there were a couple of like pre-recorded things from the future class of them, like talking about uh, their their game. I know at least one of them, Abby, was was one of the writers of the letter. I'm not sure if Emma Kidwell was, who was the other one that I remember, but um, it felt especially frustrating to say, like, yes, we will use you to promote the Game Awards in a segment sponsored by Old Spice, but we will not let you speak about the things that we have given you this position to speak about. Uh, I think that was particularly frustrating. Mm-hmm. And then there was, you know, the stuff about layoffs. There were literally people outside, uh, you know, leafleting and things. People from both SAG-AFTRA, uh, you know, obviously they have a lot of issues with the use of AI voices in the Game Awards, which is why I found it particularly disheartening that then the finals was shown, which is a game that has used AI voices mm-hmm. uh, to a lot of people's dismay. So they were there, and also the uh, Game Workers of Southern California, which is uh, you know an organization supporting like unionization and, and generally just like better treatment for for game workers. Uh, none of that was acknowledged. Yeah, it. I think uh, something that I really really loved, and I retweeted it, is like an hour and a half before the awards show started, Paste posted this great article, which was just called "The Game Awards Are Still a Total Fraud." Mm-hmm. <laughs> which was honestly what good timing because it is so much better to read again after <laughs> the most recent game awards because it's just this whole article being like the game awards are a joke they're useless and it's just for jeff to like feel important and to 
you know, be hang close to Kojima. celebrities and hang out with Kojima and seem cool and announce a bunch of trailers. Um, yeah, they're such a fucking joke. And it's like nobody, I, at least nobody in the industry, I think, likes them anymore. Yeah. They're just, there's no point to them if they don't value developers then who cares yeah yeah also this is like a personal subjective thing this award show had so many advertisements and so many trailers (laughs) so few of them actually seemed interesting they were all like the most ridiculous announcements like things like the finals yeah we were talking about this during the show because of course we were just like sitting in discord and talking to each other the whole time maybe this is still a take all right i'm not sure but i was talking to you about i was like they keep showing interesting looking games and then they cut to gameplay and it's just dudes with guns shooting things and i instantly lose interest like there were so many trailers for games that just like whether they had like an interesting aesthetic or an interesting theme or not they still broke down to trite combat focused genres and i think that's like for us obviously that's like aesthetically repulsive because that's not the thing we like and we honestly we find that like to be a big problem with the games industry of course but i think even beyond that i I think it does contribute to what makes this show such a fucking nightmare to watch and and the issue of not being respectful to developers like when you cram that many trailers in even if every one of those trailers had been something interesting, just shoving them all in in between ads for like the new Samsung phone or whatever means that none of them even get a chance to you don't even experience them. They just wash over you like literally I cannot remember more than like four or five games maybe that were shown. And even then, it's not by name. It's just like flashes of things that were shown to me. The thing I said was. I literally wrote a story as it happened about the the new Blade game being announced. Uh-huh. And then by the end of the night, when we had like our, you know, wrap up meeting, I was like, they announced a Blade game. I kind of <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just it, it makes that that first point we made like so, feel so much more disrespectful. It's like you're not if you're not going to give developers the time to speak about the awards they're winning, you you need to be using that time for something better than ads and then Mm -hmm. then you know trailers for games that use ai voice acting which people are protesting outside your theater for games that have just had extremely lurid details of the sexism among the development team published in ign you're going to celebrate that but you're not going to let the future class speak or do any of these other things that would like actually have an impact it's just I don't know. It frustrates me. It frustrates me. It makes me angry, as you can probably tell by the tone of my voice. It's just, I don't know. It's exhausting. I think, like, the flashpoint in this whole award show, honestly, the, like, worst moment that really just made everybody so tired and was like, this is such a joke, was then, of course, when Kojima showed up. Yes. To announce his new game thing his new thing (laughs) his new thing called od which showed with this really weird trailer that was just a bunch of like talking heads reciting a poem and then screaming and then 
Kojima just talked to Jeff for a while and then Jordan Peele showed up and then they talked. And this went on for way too long. It was eight minutes long. It was absurd. I mean, I have to say, I do think um, my favorite thing that came out that entire, like the entire awards show was Aftermath's article on this, which I think just was so great, actually. Do you, mm-hmm. did you see it? So this see was, this one, um, yeah. I have to say, I think this is my favorite article anybody wrote this, um, on that night, which was how many game awards acceptance speeches could have taken place while Kojima was talking without a time limit. That's the headline. Mm-hmm. And then you click the article, the entire article is, it just says 13.5. That's the yeah. article. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it just yeah, puts that's... it into perspective. It's like fucking absurd. Yeah. For Kojima, Jeff Keighley's ostensible best friend that Jeff just really wants to be friends with, to get so much time to talk about something that is truly nothing. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, I pointed that out too. I was like, the the segment on OD was eight minutes long. So at 30 seconds apiece, that's 16 AGL NUMA acceptance speeches from like <laughs> a legendary, you know, figure in the industry. Like it's, it's, it's just absurd. Like it is, it, it is illustrate the thing that you, you've brought up, which is like, this just feels like such a showcase for like, to some extent, yes, for Jeff to like show off. But I think there is like, I think the game awards is defined by like a deep insecurity about the games industry and of feeling silly for for devoting this much time to games and i think so much of it is about pandering to what jeff and maybe the, i don't know the organizers of the show or whatever see as more legitimate art forms if we can get actors up here if we can keep comparing ourselves to the oscars if we can do the glitz and the red carpet and make everybody dress up then people are going to take us seriously and i think that's just i mean it's just it sells short not just the developers but the entire fucking art form mm-hmm. i think something that i've seen a lot like you mentioned a hundred different pieces that went up the next day about why the game awards sucks and i think one theme in them that i have found frustrating is there's sort of a tone of like well the game awards sucks and like let's just all admit that it sucks and give up on it and i get that i totally get that it is a huge waste of time but i think I my a response that I prefer is okay how could this be a how could this be better right um and whether it gets better or not is like honestly it's probably beyond saving at this point what I would actually like to see is for this thing to be destroyed and something better to be built in its place but like I was saying earlier this is the biggest high profile fucking media attention thing that the games industry gets and so I for me, it's it's more, I don't know if it's more productive, but I feel like it's more, I don't know, hopeful or more affirming to think of like, how could this thing be made better? And I think there are like some obvious answers, which are like, let fucking developers speak, not court celebrity presenters, like find every fucking Hollywood actor who's in a game and like give them a big segment to talk about. One thing I saw, and I also I can't remember who tweeted this, but someone was saying, like, do make it a different host every year. Don't make it Jeff Keighley hosting every year. And I think that's a big like that would at least open the possibility of something interesting being said at the Game Awards. Like it is 
in the end, like an aesthetic change that doesn't get to like the heart of what makes the Game Awards a fucking huge waste of everyone's time and money. But I think it would be a big step toward like some kind of progress, which would be nice. Yeah. I mean, I also think like it's weird because like I get that the trailers and the ads are what help fund it to be this big because it's the publisher money. But there needs to be less of that. There really does. Yeah. And I think something that was so interesting to observe is that before going into this year's awards, Jeff said like, oh, this year we're going to have less world premiere fanfare. (laughs) And I was like, it became so clear what he meant, which was there's going to be as many, if not more world premiere things, but we're just not going to have the like big graphic that goes up. We were we were losing it watching the show like every time he said world premiere. Again, I don't I I don't know who said this, but somebody I know, we pointed did a out really that, bad job of yeah. saving our sources this week. We'll have to look Somebody's for them later. Somebody pointed out that like it got even funnier because without the world premiere graphic, it became even harder to tell what was an announcement and what was just a commercial. Totally. And I think that was a great point because like there were a lot of things where I was like, yeah, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. It's impossible to tell. I think, and and to your point, like having all those ads is what pays for the show. But like that comes to something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is like, why does the show need to be this fucking expensive? Why do you need to rent out the fucking Peacock Theater in Los Angeles to do this? Yeah, it it just doesn't need to be this expensive. It doesn't need to be a huge stage show with fucking a million people, celebrities coming to talk and everyone getting dressed up to the nines. Like that's a very good way you could become less reliant on showing ads is just scale the thing down. I don't know. It's so strange to have so much focus on like the audience that's there when like most people are going to be experienced this as a stream that they watch from home anyway. Like the people, the proportion of people who actually get to go to the show is like a tiny minority of the people who are watching it. And I feel like you could better serve the entire audience by focusing less on the spectacle of the event and more on the content of the show, which is, uh, I don't know, very frustrating to me. I think a side of all this that I, I'm i very frustrated by, and I think that I see less discussion of, there's certainly some discussion, but less discussion of, is like one of the big things that made like E3, for instance, such an annoyance was like, It's held in Los Angeles, in one of the most expensive cities in the world. Exhibiting your game there was very expensive, even before you account for, you know, the inability of people to fly from fucking other continents to come attend it. Or even people, even if you're based in California, it's very expensive, you know, you have to fucking rent a hotel room or something in LA and and all of these these things that make it such a such a hassle. And I feel like the Game Awards has replicated that in such an awful way. It's it that it's just like it is so exclusive. It's so gatekept. And it goes back again to the thing of saying that this is like the voice of the industry. It's like it can't be the voice of the industry if only a tiny fraction of people in the industry who can afford to go there are represented. And I think that goes for development studios, you know, people who are, might be receiving awards. It also goes for media. It's like, if you're a freelancer, you are fucked if you want to try to cover the show on the ground. Like tickets are like, some of the tickets can be like hundreds of dollars. And then there's that problem of paying for your hotel, paying for cars to get around, all this fucking stuff. And then 
I don't know. On top of that is like the spectacle thing where it's become this weird thing where like everybody dresses up like it's the fucking Oscars on like, I don't know. I guess it's fun to see everybody's outfits or whatever, but I see that. And I just think like, this is you, this is a form of soft gatekeeping where for some of us, that is a real financial barrier. That is a real thing that makes it literally impossible for anyone to attend. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like from the ground up, every aspect of it Mm -hmm. is prizing money and access and the illusion of, I don't know, glamour over any kind of substance. And it's just, it's just deeply frustrating to me. Mm. I think you're like totally right. And I think kind of on the other side, there are certain parts of the show that I think are really great when it comes to good versions of spectacle that I, Mm -hmm. it is, I think, I don't think what I'm going to say like invalidates what you said, but I think it goes to what you're saying of like choosing what, gets money and what gets focus because i think there are a few things that happen that are really really great every year i think obviously the orchestra is something that we point out which the orchestra is incredible every year and that's something that's really nice and really i feel like is a great moment showing off the game speaking to something really unique about the game something that i think was one of the best parts of this year's show was um old gods of of asgard (laughs) performing Uh Herald of Darkness from Alan Wake 2. And it was just a really fun thing because it was like, it was very much specific to talking about this really neat thing from this one game. And it was like, you had this live performance and you got the fucking, you got the actor who portrays Alan Wake and then you also had the voice actor there. And Mm -hmm. then also Sam Lake was up there dancing and doing his thing. (laughs) And it's just like a fun moment that does feel specific to the games and celebrating the games in a way. And we could be doing things that are more focused on that. Um, Another thing that was brought up was how it's like, there's so many celebrities and like, why are these celebrities here presenting all these things where it's like, again, if this is, and I know it's because they want to draw in uh, like viewers, but another thing that feels less difficult, less expensive to do because you're not getting a Hollywood celebrity and more meaningful for developers is why are we not just like getting people in the industry to give out awards like yeah somebody made a point like if you look at the people who give out best picture at the oscars it's always like a very well-renowned like actor or director or something like somebody meaningful in the industry who has like done something for the industry that we are celebrating Mm -hmm. and then at the game awards it's like we got timothy chalamet yeah (laughs) for no fucking reason it's like yeah i mean and you have these people in attendance like if you have AGL Numa on hand, how meaningful would it be to have him present like best RPG or something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are people who represent excellence in their field and it would mean so much more to like be able to have them represent the awards than just some random actor. Listen, Jeff, you got Hideo on speed dial. Yes. As much as Hideo is a fucking weirdo, he's made some great games and I feel like a lot of people would be like, that was cool that I got, you know, I received Absolutely. my award for like game of the year from Hideo Kojima or something. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it's cool to like receive the game of the year awards from the star of Lies of P. But still, it, <laughs> there's a, there's He's a, a real boy. There's a better way to do it. 
Yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. I, I thought about that a lot too. I was like looking for the good things, and it was like those musical performances. It was uh, the moment of what's his name, Abu Bakar Salim, I think, who was oh, announcing uh, his new game. Yeah, announcing his new game, which he gave like a very a very heartfelt speech about. Like, I made this game to honor my father, and like I'm dedicating this to my father who passed away. And like, I I was getting really choked up watching that. To be honest, like it was a moment of real like showing off like you know the the passion of people who were doing this, and like the the musical things could maybe look silly to some people, but I think it's still celebrating the talent of the people mm. who literally made the music of the games and who who made the games and i think there's so much room for that i actually i almost forgot i think my standout moment of the night was actually very weirdly it was a trailer but it was how they did it Mm. which was final fantasy 7 rebirth had a trailer (laughs) yeah but the way they did it is it was like a performance slash trailer because it was like the reveal of the game's main theme and so they had the singer come up and like perform. And then while she was performing it, they were playing a trailer, but the trailer was also like very weird and not just like a, a regular game trailer. Cause it had like all the characters were on like a stage and they were like all dressed up and that was really fun. And like Aerith was the one performing as if she was like performing the main theme. And then it mm-hmm. did show some of the game stuff, but I was like, this could be exactly what you're going for. Like, this could be your happy medium, Jeff. Like, you're doing something really interesting that does feel like it honors the uniqueness of the medium and, like, the people who make it, while also, like, showing off something new so that people want to, like, give you money to do the show. And it doesn't feel like you're pandering to audiences that don't care in the first place. Like, you know, whatever Hollywood celebrities you want to court. Yeah. I, I do. Sorry, I'm going to get back on my soapbox for one more second again to talk about. Have, like, have we gotten off our soapboxes? Well, the t- on on this particular soapbox of mine, I'm which always is like, sitting on top of my soapbox while we true. record. I'm, I'm stacking another soapbox on top. You need it. You're really short. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't. We need to get into this right now. <laughs> um. I'm gonna my yeah. I'm getting my platform uh, soapbox. Yeah, just to just to bring up again the the issue of access. I do want to just call out another one another part of the um, that equation of this being sort of an event of of gatekeeping, much in the way that E3 was, is the expense of going. I, I saw some people discussing beforehand. Particularly, I I saw a friend Jess talking about this about like, you know, I want to go to the Game Awards, but I don't know if it's worth it to pay. The money and a lot of people like I think telling her like it's not worth it, which I think it probably is not worth it. But I think it's very frustrating to see. Obviously, a lot of this conversation has been about the developers, uh, rightfully, you know, they because that's the big issue here. But I think for us on the other side of it as well, for people who are trying to cover games, like having to instead of covering a game, having to go and cover this big spectacle is is itself uh, another like is also exclusionary, right? Like, for all the reasons I mentioned before, all the monetary reasons. And then we have things like, there's these, like all these after parties that are held in bars, despite the conversation that has been happening for like years and years and years now about how insisting on holding those events in bars has led to a culture of every one of these shows has a problem with sexual harassment and up to like sexual assault. Like it has a huge problem with that. It encourages people to, you know, push past people's boundaries. And I think that's really, that's a real shame 
that to get there, you have to make this huge monetary sacrifice and then sit through these things that are like possibly dangerous to your health. The idea of for my career, I have to go into a bar and be surrounded by strangers and alcohol and be put in these like very stressful situations like that is that means that I could never do that. Like ever. <laughs> Even if I wanted to, that is an extremely unsafe situation for people like me. And it's just like, it's just a shame to see like these conversations have happened over and over and over and there's been no movement on them. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just deeply frustrating. I mean, I don't know. We talked a lot about like what sucks. Like, do, do you have, like, do you have an idea in mind of like, what does a better I mean, this is a it's probably too large of a question, but like, assuming we're not starting a new show, I think the steps that have to be taken to make it a better show is I think we're never going to get it to where Jeff Keeley is not involved, but I think he should just be like production level, like uh -huh. organizing it. He can do all of his like I went and hung out with these developers to get an announcement, but like, yeah, make it like a host, do somebody new. That is a step forward. I think baseline i think we need to at least focus this on games which is like wild to have to say as like a <laughs> thing to fix it but like there's way too much talk of like hollywood and mm -hmm. tv adaptations or things like that we need to cut that shit out i think um you know we have to have like a a basic respect for the developers i think we shouldn't be cutting them off like this um and i think we should it's hard because like every awards show, you cannot let everybody speak um, mm -hmm. because it's just unfeasible to make a watchable award show where literally every award gets a speech, but it needs to be better than it was last night or last night, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, at this year's Game Awards because yeah. it was like more than ever. It was just like so very clearly we are taking time away from developers. Developers should at least feel like this is a space for them. And I think that's why we always have wanted the Game Awards to work. And as I was going to point out at the end of the show, there are other awards we can watch and you should watch and you should pay attention to. And we'll highlight some of them. But like, there is something to be said of like the Game Awards, as jokingly as people say it, is like the Oscars of the industry. Mm -hmm. And it's a big thing. And more than anything, it's what normies watch. <laughs> And yeah. it's like there yeah. is something to be said of like something what you brought of what you brought up, which is like developers are so unsung and like people fucking hate developers like people who play video games don't, generally don't care about developers. And when they do, it's because they hate them and like publishers and the people who like make games themselves don't respect each other sometimes because like you've said, you can get un you can get like no credit on a game or there's so many issues. And it's like. To give developers a chance to feel like they are not only getting attention, but are the star of the evening. And like they are maybe for the first and only time ever getting the chance to speak to their like general audience is incredibly special. And you will not get that at literally any other award show. So there is still a value to it. And I think um, this was actually going around a lot right before the awards. Greg Miller from Kind of Funny reposted his i want to say it was 2019 award speech for like he won like best gamer whatever they were calling it <laughs> and best gamer he gave actually like a fucking incredible speech um which 
I don't know if I assume you've seen it, but I haven't seen this going around again. So I don't really remember it. So it was the speech he gave and he was like, he very quickly thanked like the usual people where it was like, I want to thank my parents. I want to. And then he was like, I want to thank this woman. He said like, he said, a devel- he said somebody's name and he was like, she is a environmental designer at Crystal Dynamics. He was like, I've never met this woman. And I've never talked to her, but I finished Rise of the Tomb Raider this week and I saw her name (laughs) and it was one of a million names that we always see and that nobody pays attention to and that nobody knows and nobody gives credit to. And I want to thank her and I want to thank like the millions of developers who do like tireless work and never get recognition. And I was like, and that is the heart of what this show should be about is like being able to give those developers recognition. And like, that's what needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. So yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is, is going to be announcing game of the year at the girlies though. So I'm so sorry. Yeah. Right. We have sold out. Um, <laughs> get ready for the, it's going to be a three hour podcast and most of it is going to be uh, ads from Gillette, but I'm sure it's going to be worth it. You know who we should get to announce game of the year at the girlies? Fozzie. Fozzie bear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to say we should get Mila Jovovich or Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. yeah. What are they doing? For sure. I don't know. Making another Monster Hunter movie, maybe? (laughs) We can only hope. Yeah. I think that brings us to the end of Game Awards talk anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a a drag that this is the the show that the industry gets. But uh, as long as it is, I think it's worthwhile to keep pushing for it to be better. Even if it's just us yelling at each other from our own separate apartments. The thing that I always come back to as a joke that I think is hilarious is there is this really, really funny, like stupidly funny bit in the first episode of the newsroom. Okay. Where it's like what starts the whole show where um, Jeff Daniels character, he's like, uh, he's getting asked at like an interview. Somebody asks him, like, why is America the greatest country in the world? And his producer, like in the back, holds up a sign and it says, it's not, and then holds up another one, but it could be. <laughs> and Zoe and I make this joke all the time at like anything. So <laughs> why is the Game Awards the best Game Awards show? It's not, but it could be. <laughs> um, great. Well, that aside... Yeah, what have you been up to this week? And I think we are, as you mentioned earlier, I think we're also going to, you know, shout out some things that aren't necessarily what we've been doing this week, but maybe some things you could better be focusing your attention on than the Game Awards. So what are, uh, yeah, what have you got going on? Okay, so the thing that I have been doing this week that I want to talk about is I saw Godzilla Minus One. Hell yeah. And my life has been changed. Hell yeah. This movie is so fucking good. Like. Listen to me right now. Go see this movie right now. (laughs) Find a theater near you and go to the next showing. (laughs) You will thank me. I don't care if you've never seen a Godzilla movie or any kind of like big monster kaiju movie. Trust me. See it. It's so good. I sobbed multiple times. (laughs) during this movie and i've told everybody who i've told about this movie that i sobbed through it and they're like at a godzilla movie oh why and i was like see the fucking movie and you'll understand mm-hmm. 
This movie is so good. I legitimately think it might be my favorite movie of the year. It is masterful. It's like so heartfelt, but also like it is also genuinely a great monster movie where like Godzilla is maybe the most terrifying I've ever seen him. Um, This is such a good movie. Everybody should see it. I got to see it in IMAX and I'm like, I'm honestly oftentimes not the person who's like, you have to see something in IMAX. It's just different. It's better. Seeing Godzilla in IMAX, though, kind of (laughs) whipped. It was incredible. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I really (laughs) want to see it. And then kind of like similar, just the other thing I do want to shout out is The Boy and the Heron is, I think, finally in like wide release in the US now. Um, You should absolutely go see this movie. It is also incredible. So, yeah. I do. How do you think it stacks up in terms of Miyazaki? So I'm I'm always hesitant to say because I don't want recency bias to Mm -hmm. get in the way. But I think for me personally, it's top five. Like for me, for context, Princess Mononoke is my favorite and I think it Mm -hmm. always will be. I think it's just so masterful. But I think it's definitely up there. Uh, And if you if you've seen The Wind Rises and you really like The Wind Rises, it's an incredible. Like those two movies are definitely in conversation in a really interesting way. Um, Mm -hmm. I love it. I think it's I think it's really, really well done. I think. There is like not been another movie like it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, What have you been up to? I feel like most of my week has been devoted to like getting myself ready <laughs> to cover the game awards because um, it's always a tremendous pain. I've been playing a lot of Cosmic Wheel. I finally finished it last night, which we will discuss next week. Uh, if you haven't played that or Slay the Princess yet, um, good idea to do those if you want to listen to our episode on it. Oh, I've been kind of idly watching this uh, an anime series called New Game! exclamation point and it is just about this like girl who she just like graduates she's just out of high school i think and goes to work as an artist at a game developer and uh, like the development made like her favorite game it's just her and the like the other women who work at the studio just kind of it's just like a workplace kind of comedy thing it's very cute like slice of life i yeah just i really like it um I'm not I'm like halfway through the series. It's like 12 episodes and I'm not sure if it's it's either queer baiting or it's going to be Yuri. I'm not sure which it's going to be, Um, but everyone in it just feels very queer like that. There's they all have crushes on each other in like very obvious ways. Um, It's a there's a little bit of the like perviness that is often annoys the shit out of me in anime like there is like a really funny recurring joke where there's one like kind of veteran developer who will like stay and work overnight and then sleep at the office and so the this like new employee who's like kind of very shy and bashful she keeps coming in and seeing this woman sleeping in her underwear and just getting really embarrassed which is like a funny joke but it's also used as an excuse to show lots of like close-up shots of this woman's crotch and it's really annoying but other than shit like that it's very cute um i think that's basically what i've been doing i don't know uh playing a lot of cosmic real i guess um and yeah, as we mentioned before, we did want to shout some other things out. Um, what I want to recommend is uh, gamedev.world, 
which is uh, a conference. It's like not an awards thing. It's not like a showcase thing. It really is more of a conference. It's put together by uh, Rami Ismail or just kind of founded by Rami Ismail. I watched some of this stream yesterday and then I watched a little bit again today. Um, it started at like seven o'clock AM Eastern. So I didn't get to like, you know, see all of it, but it's currently, um, it's available on their Twitch page. Like there's a replay of it that's up right now. And then they're also working on kind of chopping it up into individual videos that you can watch. So game dev world, it's, it's very developer focused and it's a bunch of like individual developers giving talks on certain aspects of game design. So there's a talk, you know, talks about marketing, talks about pitching and ideation and and like just all kinds of things like that. I think some of them are definitely more applicable to like a general audience or at the very least to games critics and journalists to like kind of see the way that developers think about these things. Some of them are um Hannah Nicklin from uh, Degut Fabrique, which made Sea Salt Chronicles, uh, gives a talk, like a postmortem talk. The two developers, uh, Tanya Pixel, and I'm forgetting the other developer's name of Unsighted, give like a postmortem. Oh, this, there's actually a really great speed, great one there uh, by uh, Rashid uh, Abuede, which talks very specifically about about Gaza and about what's happening in in the context of like uh, designing a game. <laughs> uh, it's like really really wonderful it's like a, a very it's like the intersection of games and 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 this like crisis that's happening right now in a way that like you know certain other shows completely decided to ignore which i think is like uh, you know anyone would enjoy that one uh, i would just recommend checking out this list and seeing which ones sound sound interesting to you i'm definitely excited for the the individual videos to get put up because the vod for some reason doesn't start until like a couple hours into the show so some of the ones that I missed, I haven't been able to watch yet, but I would just recommend checking that out and seeing if, if any of them seem interesting. Um, I should also, I also want to point out, this is a show that is, it's entirely streaming. It's the developers stream from their homes or their offices or whatever. So it does not have those, those monetary and like legal, you know, getting passports and shit barriers that keep people from around the world from attending things like the Game Awards. Uh, and also because there's developers from around the world speaking, people are speaking different languages. And so the show was live interpreted in eight different languages, which is incredible. Um, so just shout out to that, that like whole team involved in that. And and yeah, definitely recommend checking it out and seeing if any of it uh, feels interesting to you. Yeah, I just wanted to like highlight that there are other awards shows that you can watch and pay attention to and that are usually stream. Um, mm -hmm. Some of these aren't like anytime soon or have passed, but you should always be paying attention to them, which is you can look into the Dice Awards and the GDC Awards, um, to which are always interesting because you can see how like developers or other types of people in the industry award things uh, mm -hmm. for like Game of the Year. Um, one that is coming up sooner is that the New York video game critic circle also does what they call the New York game awards. And that is going to be held in January, uh, January 23rd. So you can also like, if you're interested to watch more awards shows and see how other people do them, watch those and pay attention to them. Just to say that like the game awards are not the only game awards. Uh, yeah. Definitely look into other ones. Yeah. And those are all like not, consumer facing awards as mm -hmm. much like the game awards is is for a big commercial audience those are generally more geared toward the industry 
So I think, yeah, those are definitely valuable places to look for examples of doing it right (laughs) or doing it better at any rate. Yeah. The one last thing I want to shout out, which is just a completely trying to talk up ourselves is I think that you should go to start menu and yes, you should I forgot read, to mention this. Uh. <laughs> you should read their winter spectacular pieces. And um, especially you should read a piece by me and you should be read a piece by Robin. Cause I mean, we I both... think especially you should read all of them. There's lots of good <laughs> stuff there, but yeah, we did. Um, yeah. Lex Letty from start menu did invite both of us to write pieces for their winter spectacular. And I think we both wrote, sort of achingly personal pieces <laughs> as we're wont to do. But yeah, I yeah, I was really happy to get the chance to do that. Um I'm I'm really happy with how both of our pieces came out. So yeah. Probably check this out. Yeah. But with that, that'll be the end of this episode. You can listen to Girl Mode anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on socials. Uh some version of Girl Mode Pod will link it in the show notes. And you can send us questions at girl Mo- at girlmodepod at gmail.com I forgot for uh-huh. a second and on co-host uh, yeah I'm on socials at the Willow Row yeah and I'm at Robin Bombas and some of the questions you should send us uh, to our email address or to co-host if you have anything you want us to talk about in regards to Slay the Princess or Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood which we're, we're recording this week uh, you know, when you're hearing this, if you want us to talk about anything particular about those two, now would be a good time to send those in. And also, if you have any suggestions for categories for the girlies, because that's coming up very soon as well. No guarantees they'll make it in, but we might we might try to take some inspiration from folks to for new categories as well. Yeah. Or just whatever else you feel like telling us is fine, too. Yeah, you can just talk with us. Just... You can just talk with us. We're nice. <laughs> Not to Jeff Keighley, but we're we're nice to other people sometimes. Uh, Yeah, and we'll see you back here next week, I guess. Um, Play those games, think about them, send us questions, and have a good week until then. I think it'll be a good discussion next week. I think it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And we'll elaborate on that later. Yeah. I'll say something funny and charming now okay. to be the tag. Go. How about the... Sc- I don't know. What? What were you going to say? <laughs> I don't know. How about those what's? I don't know. What did I say earlier that was funny that could have been a tag? I, I went know. to a Broadway rave. Worst thing in the world. <laughs> Never go. Yeah. You can just Beelined imagine the rest the of the story. Yeah. It involves me taking shots and uh-huh. trying to drink away the issue of being at a Broadway rave. Yeah. Dodging it was girls way left too and crowded. Right. I was, listen. <laughs> the 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 bitches want me. Yeah, that's true.